the Bible Study Podcast, episode 716. Today, the Bible Study Podcast begins the study of the book of 2 Corinthians. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Yes, indeed, 1 Corinthians was so popular that it got a sequel. There are a few different books in the Bible that have a one and a two. There's even one that has three parts. I'll let you guess which book that is. But this basically is a letter back to the Corinthians by the Apostle Paul. He has heard back from them. He's heard how they've responded to his letter. And then he's writing back in response to their response. And this letter starts like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to the God of all comfort. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort." We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Okay, so let's break this down. First of all, Paul is just introducing himself. He's saying who's writing the letter. It's Paul, and it's also Timothy. Timothy, our brother, but Timothy who acts as a spiritual son for Paul. Uh, Timothy, who's a younger man who Paul has sent to Corinth, you may remember, at the end of the last letter and encourage them to welcome him. And so Timothy probably brought them that letter, and then Timothy has come back probably with the response, and they're responding again to the church. And so he's writing to the church and to the holy people of that region of mainland Greece. Uh, that's where that region is that he's talking about here, and says grace and peace to you from God our Father. So he is greeting them, and he is sending them grace, a very typical beginning of a letter. And then he's getting to this thing to praise to the God of all comfort, which is an odd phrase. And we don't tend to quote Second Corinthians chapter 1 all that much. But he's talking about he is living in a situation where he is going through trials. In fact, he says in this set of two paragraphs here that at one point he felt that he had received the sentence of death. They really felt that they were going to die or that things were that bad. And so he's writing from that place of darkness in the sense that things are not necessarily going well. But he's talking about God who comforts us in our troubles. 
And this has been a rough year for many people. It's, it's useful for us to remember that the people who wrote the Bible, Paul and, and those who wrote down what they learned from Jesus, what they learned from God, had difficult times too. And they found their faith in God to be a source of strength in those times and a source here of comfort. And he's saying we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, and so our comfort abounds through Christ. So he's saying we have chosen to live this life that isn't always the easiest thing. Paul will describe, I think it's in this letter later on, how many times he has been in peril because of this ministry that he has done for God. So we share abundantly. We don't just share in the sufferings of Christ, but we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. We've we've had some tough times. But that's not how Paul is looking at it. Paul is looking at it through that because they have had this tough times, God has been able to comfort them even more so than people who are living just sort of complacent lives. He says, if we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. So Paul has gone through some of what he has gone through specifically for the Corinthians, and if not for the Corinthians, for other churches around this area, that he has gone through this life of ministry, this life of missionary, because it is for their benefit. If your comfort is comfort for your benefit, which produces a patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. So he's saying one of the things that a mature Christian should develop, that we expect to see with maturity, is this patient endurance. This understanding that things take time, this understanding that God doesn't fix everything right away. Um, I think of the time that we're going through right now, I think we, if at the beginning of last year, the question was going to be, you know, I wonder how long this lockdown and things like that will last as we were in, say, March of 2020. And I think some of us thought, you know, it might be all the way until June or July. (laughs) And of course, it was much worse than that. It lasted much longer than that. And of course, more people died than we could have guessed probably at the time, or at least we're willing to guess. It's been a tough year, and it's disrupted a lot of things. I, you know, I read that all the things that it's disrupted in terms of supply chains where you know, right now you can't get rental cars because they sold them all off, and they can't get more because they can't buy new cars, and you can't buy new cars because the car companies weren't going to make cars, and so they, they gave up their line as a customer of the chip manufacturers, and so they didn't get the chips they need to make the cars, and so they can't make the cars. And so all of these things of that were caused by this disruption of everyday life are going to take a while to work themselves out. But he says, you, when you were discomforted, I'm, I know that this, that you're going through the, your faith, produces in you a patient endurance so that you can get through these times, that you understand that things take longer than you wish they would. Our hope for you is firm because we know that you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort, that God will comfort them as they also are going through trials. He said, I, want you, I don't want you to be ignorant of the fact that we have been tested beyond our ability to endure. We've despaired of life itself. We thought we received a sentence of death. Um, and all of this happens so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. 
And I've told this story before, but I think of the person from my home church who went to his home in Hungary during the time of the Cold War, back behind the Iron Curtain. And he told the people of his hometown that he was praying for them. And they said, well, we're praying for you in America. And he was un- not understanding why they would pray for him. And he said, well, they told him because we have so little, it's easy for us to remember we need God. You have so much that it's easier for you to forget. And so Paul says we've been through this tough time so that we can understand that we rely on God, that there's advantages through going through times that are so difficult that you feel like you can't handle it because we have someone else who can. He says that's an advantage. That's good to know. We felt like we were dead, but God raises the dead. I think about, I've been studying more languages this year as I think about traveling more. You know, I do a travel podcast also, for those of you who don't know. It's actually the largest podcast to do, Amateur Traveler. And as I get ready to do more traveling, I've been studying some Spanish because we went down to Galapagos, and I've been studying some some French because we're, you know, going down to do some other travels and, you know, studying some Italian and things like that. One of the things I liked with in Spanish, there's two forms of to be. One is to be temporarily, and one is to be permanently. And I can't always guess which form they will use for which things. And so if it's like I am I am hungry or things like that, that's the short form one. It's like, well, I get that. That makes sense. You know, you're not permanently hungry. You're hungry right now. But one of the interesting things is the form as I learned it in the lessons that I've had for I am or he is dead is the temporary one. And I think what great faith that is. He's dead but it's just temporary. And Paul is saying, we felt like we were under the sentence of death, but remember who raises the dead. Remember who has the power to breathe new life into us. He delivered us and he delivers us again. And even if he doesn't, again, he has the power to raise the dead eventually. And and that is where he is looking for his hope, is to the one who can do that. Paul's change of plans. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. We have done so relying not on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. For we do not write you anything you cannot read or understand. And I hope that as you have understood us in part, you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus. I'm going to stop and deal with this in one paragraph at a time, just because it's a long section here. So he's saying, I know that you understand some of what we have been talking about. I know you will understand more fully, and I want you to be able to boast of us. I want you to be able to understand what we have been doing, just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, just as I look forward to the day when we will stand before the throne of grace together. He's looking forward past these current troubles to the day when Christ has won, and they're in the day of the Lord. And he says, because I was confident of this, I wanted to visit you first that you might benefit twice. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I fickle when I intended to do this, or do I make plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say both yes, yes, and no, no? Well, he's about to tell them that his plans changed, and I hope you understand that. Basically, you know, was I fickle? And he says, but as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, 
by me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no. In him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return to Corinth. Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, because it is by faith you stand firm. Okay, so he's saying basically, my plans have changed, don't take it wrong. But he's saying this in a way that is more complicated than that, because he's saying, our message to you was not just yes and no. Our message to you wasn't wishy-washy. Our message to you wasn't prevaricating. So when I told you that I was planning on coming, I meant that I was planning on coming, but something changed. But he says, the, the part of this that I thought was the most interesting is, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. For how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. All of the things that God was planning on doing in the prophets and in the Old Testament, in John the Baptist, and all of these things, are born out in his plan for what Christ did for us. God's plan way back there, as I mentioned last week, in the garden after the fall, when he says to Eve, you know, your seed will bruise the head of the serpent, he is planning at that point for Christ. So all of the promises that God has made, they're yes in Christ. All of the promises that God has made, they're fulfilled in Christ, that Christ was the plan. Christ is the plan. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us in the glory of God. So amen is a phrase we say a lot, but what it means is, I agree with that. And so when you pray and somebody else is praying and they finish and they and you all say amen, you're saying, we're praying this together. I agree with that. And so through him, the amen is spoken to us in the glory of God. Through him, we we agree, we align to the promises that God has made. We We sign up for this program that God is doing. Now it is God who makes both you and I stand firm. So God is the one who gives us the strength. He is the one who anointed us, who seals us. He is the one who is doing this work in us and through us to other people. And he puts the spirit on our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. And this is another phrase that Paul has used elsewhere in the epistles. I believe it comes up in Ephesians, where he talks about the Holy Spirit as being a down payment or as a deposit, a guarantee as, as being the first fruits of that communion we will have with God someday, that God has now been enabled to come and dwell within us because Christ has taken away that barrier of sin through the cross. And because he can now dwell with us, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit that he has promised us, that he has given us, is just a taste of the communion we'll be able to have with God in the future. Okay, the first fruits, the deposit, the guarantee. And then he says, I call God as my witness that I didn't, that it wasn't, that it was in order to spare you that I didn't come. I swear that the reason I didn't come was good, basically, and that it's for your joy. That I, basically the reason why I didn't come is there's something came up and it's the right thing for me to do. And he's basically saying, I hope you understand that I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm doing it for you and for the others that I am ministering to. 
And with that, we end the first podcast in our series of podcasts on Second Corinthians. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Hi, friend. Are you stressed, maybe even worried about so many needs around you that you've forgotten you are worth taking care of, too? Well, I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. I want to invite you to join me as I share practical tips based on science, inspired by God's Word, to help you spark joy and restore God's peace and love to your soul. Subscribe now and go to lifeaudio.com.